0: Hello, welcome to the Pod People. It's us. I'm Matisse Van Rossum, and I got five on it.
1: I am America, uh, and or Cleveland Mosier, and uh, yeah, nice to nice to see y'all again. And we're here. Or do you got five on it? Yeah, uh, yeah, I got five on it. All right, I always got five on it.
2: What if Ben Sheets, but red? Anyone?
0: Do you got five on it? I do, of course. Everyone has five on it. We all got five on it. That means we got a cool 15. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's finally that time, the moment we've all been waiting for. We went and saw Us last night. We're just going to do some very broad stroke impressions first and then get heavily into spoilers. There's a lot going on here. This is obviously the, the sophomore film from Jordan Peele who did get out and who is, I believe, producing and hosting the new Twilight Zone uh, reboot that's coming out. Only on CBS All Access for some stupid fucking reason. But what we can tell you is that this movie did not suffer from sophomore slop.
1: No, <laughs> no, way. absolutely no, not.
0: not. Um, I think we can get that out of the way immediately. Yeah, well... I uh, loved this film. So the
2: basic spoiler-free summary is Lupita Nyong'o, her character Adelaide, is at the beach, their beach house with her husband and two kids, mm-hmm. and a family appears. Spookily and they have to deal with it, essentially.
0: A family of um, exact doppelgangers. Yes. Yeah.
2: Without spoiling too much right off the bat, I think this movie does a great job taking a lot of what seemed like non-sequiturs at the beginning of the movie, and as the movie goes along, really connecting them in interesting ways. Yeah. One of the, the first opening sequences of the movie, you get this long push into an old TV
1: Oh, the Hands Across America. Yeah, with yeah. the
2: the Hands Across America commercial, I was super confused when it first started. But as the movie goes along, it does a great job connecting stuff like
0: that. The same with like right after that, with the the when the credits, where they you're pulling back from. Uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah, with with that, with that, you're pulling back from like the wall of like rabbit cages and like this weird classroom looking space. That was very evocative, but like it took fucking forever I for that. It. Like I was oh, like, cool I kept ride? thinking, I kept thinking through the whole movie, like what, what was that? What was the room full of rabbits? And then that pays off very nicely at the yeah, end. Yeah, but if you're thinking about seeing this movie, just go see it. Yeah, it. It's worth it. come back
1: and uh, talk with us about
0: it. You know, yeah, uh, it's order. worth it. Enjoy yeah. the
1: conversation.
0: Um, when this is released, this movie should have been out for about a week. Um, so if you haven't seen it already, definitely go see it. We're going to be getting really heavily into spoilers. It's a fantastic film. If you liked Get Out, you'll definitely like this. If you're a fan of high concept horror, you'll definitely like this. Go see it. Oh, yeah, because... We're definitely, uh, we
1: saw it last night. We got up bright and early for you guys to sit down, and we're just going to unpack this whole thing. There's a lot
0: to unpack. It's the early morning, boys. It is. It's uh, about 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time here in Durham, North Carolina. We're all sipping on our our hot cups of fresh black coffee.
2: Hot cup of Joe's.
0: (sighs) Mm, Yeah, that's really good for, uh, (sighs) mm. just getting into some ASMR here, Mm -hmm. just... Let it sit for a second. And we'll never do that again.
1: My <laughs> name is Mark Maron.
0: <laughs> I got that cup of coffee. Damn, that's a fucking good cup of coffee. Uh,
1: <laughs> all well, right, Mark Maron, so nice to have you on the podcast.
0: <laughs> yeah, what the fuck, Knicks? What the fuck, buddies? <laughs> Man, we've really uh, ascended the ranks of podcasting, haven't we? <laughs> yeah. To get so lucky to have Mark Maron joining us on this show, talking about us. Mark, what did you think of us? Well, you see, it reminded me of my, my guys back in the days. Like,
2: I, I grew up with all those guys doing comedy. Like, Jordan Peele is a, is a comedian, too. So I, 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 I feel for him. I, I always thought about making movies, making fucking movies, and uh, I never did it, well, but I wanted to uh, check out my show Marin on A- IFC, like, that's that's me making something. Well, Mark I'm and
0: basically Jordan Peele. It's not too late to start now. Yeah, I'll call it Cocaine With Us.
1: <laughs> Thanks, Mark. Great to have you.
0: Alright, um, are we... Throwing the spoiler warning on now, y'all want to do that slap it on puppy there? Down. Okay, from this point on, heavy spoilers. You haven't seen the movie, you don't want it to be spoiled. Stop the episode right now. You've been warned. And then come back after you've seen it, because we'd love to talk with you about it. Because yeah, man, we got some stuff to talk about. Okay, so uh, I think that the best way to discuss this film as a whole is to just very quickly go through the, the narrative, and then we can break things down. Um, ben, do you want to just give basic breakdown of all the important plot yeah, points? Yeah, we'll, we'll
2: do a quick broad strokes. Um, so going off of what I said earlier, a family of doppelgangers appear. And it's revealed that they are sort of shadows of uh, the family. Mm-hmm. And it turns into a kind of almost strangers, funny games-esque um, home in- situation. Home invasion. Home invasion, yeah. invasion situation. Family eventually escapes and goes over to uh, their yuppie friend's uh Tim Heidecker's. Uh, yeah. uh, Tim Heidecker and Elizabeth Moss, who both do a great job being Yo, really insufferable. Ass. Yeah, they both rock. Um, and it turns out they also have doppelgangers. And quickly it's re- revealed that it's a huge thing. Literally sweeping the nation. Yes.
0: Uh, it uh, it goes from... It does this really interesting thing where it goes from being like a home invasion film to almost like... A, invasion of the Body Snatchers. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah, like, it's like... Strong vibes. Yeah. Uh, sort of apocalyptic uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers style scenario. It's fucking uh, awesome. Which is cool. Uh, yeah. The And those two uh, sub-genres, I think, are, are blended really well. Oh, yeah. Like, while
1: we're on that point, I do really like that comparative of Invasion of the Body Snatchers, only because, like... Invasion of the Body Snatchers was, you know, like so heavily playing off the zeitgeist of the Red Scare, that fear of of the other across the sea, and this film does almost the same thing with that doppelganger concept of fear of the other, but it's it's internally reflected, and it's more about like the the cop, like the current zeitgeist with racism and classism being, you know, so predominant. And I I thought it just it hit yeah it hit the fucking mark beautifully beautifully
0: another thing i want to double back to really quick uh that i think is important to the narrative is that the film starts with uh adelaide as a little girl in 1986 at the santa cruz boardwalk with her parents uh she wanders off and she goes into a like fun house house of mirrors and she sees a girl there who looks exactly like her we don't see what happens And she leaves and she has been so traumatized by the experience that she will not speak. There's a group of uh, really dope, cool kids sitting right behind us um, who really uh, elevated this movie going experience for me. Really loved it. How the dude right behind me laughed really hard when she ran into the mirror when she was trying to escape from the house of mirrors and said, (laughs) she's dumb. Um, that was a really good experience for me. Yeah, really enhanced. Um, you know,
1: also thing. really created a great sense of ambiance and setting for the film. Yeah. Really also, I in. really,
0: I really yeah, loved it. I really sure loved it. E- did every time somebody was killed, uh the same guy I would just go, "See ya." Like <laughs> that was really good. Like, man, if I hadn't been so intent like watching the credits, I would have like followed him out so I could ask if I could be his friend because, like. I just wanna surround myself with cool people I mean, like that. Really, we
1: should have you know, we we made it we fucked up. We should have asked him to come on the podcast. I think he could have provided really good commentary. Yeah.
0: I and, bet he had some really good thoughts. Yeah, yeah, for sure.
1: Two quick things I wanted to bring up about the the funhouse scene. Um one thing I really, really liked was the the pitter patter of rain he does a great thing with the weather where like as she's walking up to it 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 starts raining to like when she crosses the threshold the rain really comes down behind her playing with rain like that can often be like very overbaked but here it felt like nice and premonitory um and, and set the tone very nicely but as she's walking around the inside you can constantly hear the the patter of rain on the roof and it sounded really good it was really um really rich but it plays in really nicely later on too. Whenever they like they cut back to that scene and flashbacks, you always are aware when it's a flashback because of like the patter of rain on the rooftop. Um, and the second thing I want to bring up real quick was that when she first enters it as a child, if you're not sure if you guys noticed this, but it's it's a vision quest themed funhouse. Yeah, with like the Native American at the top. <laughs> it's of it. all about find yourself, which yeah. I thought was fun. Yeah, exactly, and because it starts up being like so and so's vision quest, find yourself. Yeah, and it has, like, this, like, you know, like, sage, like, Native American guy. And that's, that in of itself is, like, indicative of, like, the the 80s and, like, sort of, like, shamanizing Native Americans. And I thought that was a a fun take that later on, which they go back to it, it's Merlin's hut instead. (laughs) And they changed it to, like to play off, like, it's like awareness yeah. had gotten a little bit better <laughs> at that point. Like, very cool. And it's it's still, like, it's Merlin's quest now, and and it still, it still has says sign find, yourself, find yourself. Yeah. And the interior is the exact same. They just changed the name of yeah, it.
2: Yeah, it worked well with the themes of the movie, oh, with yeah. the find yourself and whatnot, with yeah. doppelgangers. And, like,
1: even the, the building itself couldn't find itself. Like, it changed its identity. Like, very, very good stuff. <laughs> One thing
2: I want to mention about the audience before we get back into this is, uh, yeah. when we were Exiting the movie, there's oh, one guy yeah. at the front of the theater who's just like, I wonder what seeing this movie with your uh, identical twin would have been like. You're really crazy.
1: Oh, man. <laughs> Which I found fucking
0: no, hilarious. Yeah, we all giggle. Like, <laughs> <giggled. laughs>
2: honestly, like, that's a joke I would have made, honestly, but he
0: beat me to it. There are so many just good, funny people in the screening.
2: But yeah, so uh, we should get into it a little bit more. I think there's one part that I really want to unpack. Is there any plot stuff that you want to talk about before we just jump into themes? I think we covered it generally. I think if we want to go into details, we can probably do it when we're talking about details.
0: Yeah, that's okay. If you have something you want to get into, go Um, for it.
2: So I really want to talk about, there's this one part where um, Red... Uh, Adelaide's doppelganger which uh, the doppelgangers I guess all have names which we see in the credits which I thought was a cool touch but Red is asked who are you Um, in this interrogation sort of scene with the family and she says uh,
0: we Oh, America. I think she's just we're Americans.
2: Americans. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: and I think uh, that really plays into the core of the themes of the movie really well. I mean, the movie itself is called Us, but you can also see it as a bit of a double entendre with U.S. Yeah, you sure. Know, it really goes into this idea of Americans not... Seeing
1: not wanting to look at themselves, not
2: wanting to look at themselves, not wanting to look at the underbelly of their consumerism or their uh, their politics, you know, and how that really affects the world. Um,
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I was I was reading uh, an interview that Jordan Peele did with NPR this morning uh, about the movie, and uh, he was talking about like what he was going for with the title "Us." Uh, He says he obviously came to the idea, you know, the the doppelganger story is a story as old as time. And, you know, he always had this fascination with, like, if you were to see yourself on the street, you would have this sort of gut feeling that only one of you could exist and and not both of you. And that if your doppelganger smiles at you, that that means the doppelganger has the upper hand. And then he took that into the idea of... Everybody having a doppelganger. And us, he says, can mean, like, us as a family, us as a community, us as a group of friends, us as a country, or us as, like, humanity. But the important thing is not who the us refers to, but the fact that us implies that there must be a them. And if there's a them, that means that only one can exist. It's either us or it's them. That very much plays super heavily into the themes of this movie. What's the line from Dark Side of the Moon? Like, "us
1: and them and after all we're only ordinary men."
0: <laughs> but um I think that also plays into the idea of like the US because the US is like very much us or them. And not just like people outside of the US, but people inside of the US. And like liberals versus conservatives and all that bullshit. It's all very much us or them. Well, Yeah, you know. I compared this
2: movie to Funny
1: Games in a way. Yeah. A I, film I've never seen. Could you uh
2: Yeah, so Funny Games it. is an art house movie by Michelle Haneke. German movie. It's really kind of a meta film about a home invasion very nihilistic Whoa. the uh the two guys go in and methodically kill a family and it's all about the brutality and the ugliness of horror movies and kind of how nihilistic that can be sometimes it's a very divisive movie in a lot of ways he went on to make a shot for shot remake in english in america because he thought Mm -hmm. He made the original in the wrong language in a lot of ways because it is so connected to American horror in so many ways. The core of using kind of a home invasion to get at these larger ideas really hits home. And I think these movies are very similar in a lot of ways um, because like Funny Games, this movie kind of gets at the idea of using horror as a tool for metaphor in a lot of ways, in talking about the brutality of American idea and the underbelly of what we're seeing. I thought it, it's a really cool connection. I, I think it's kind of fun that all of the doppelgangers are wearing
1: red uniforms. Very reminiscent of uh, prison jumpsuits.
0: Well, and they all have the the one like leather fingerless glove and they all have like these big brass scissors or shears mm-hmm. um, that they use as weapons
1: those fingerless gloves were like very specific are those from something are they like gardener's gloves like what is their like original? I was trying intent? to
0: figure that out as well I couldn't I I didn't get the uh, the significance of the of the one fingerless glove because like the shears I, are yeah, like I'm not Taylors sure. shears. Um, well i mean also the the scissors make sense because the doppelgangers are called the tethered they're tethered to their their real versions mm-hmm. you know they have to mimic their their motions to a certain extent so the scissors make sense they're untethering themselves they're cutting that that bond yeah
2: um yeah well i i would love the gloves i they felt very reminiscent of like
0: Nightmare on Elm Street to me a little bit um, yeah minus the knife fingers
1: yeah but oh yeah, they are they are similar gloves which makes me wonder if they aren't like gardener's gloves or something because Freddy Krueger is like the the school janitor you know and like I think that those I think are that's the only in, that's
0: only in the remake of Nightmare on Elm Street isn't it or yeah is that in the, yeah I don't think in the original he's uh, he's the the gardener oh. I have no idea what the the significance of the fingerless gloves are if one of our listeners knows hit us up. I guess we're just missing something. Yeah. Um, I haven't looked too much into it. This movie just came out yesterday. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I was just reading uh, a couple of interviews with Jordan Peele this morning. Um, I did think that it was interesting in that same NPR interview, he mm. did specifically say that this movie is not about race, unlike Get Out, but that the idea of us versus them can be examined from a racial perspective. Yes, yes, and I, I absolutely loved that
1: because. But get he wasn't. Out,
0: he didn't set out trying to make this movie about as like uh, an exploration of race relations,
1: right? Because like Get Out has such a clear allegory, yeah. You know, for for that, and I was expect, I was very much so expecting that going in this film, especially considering like Jordan Peele, the cast, and uh, the themes that you sort of you sort of get from all the hype of surrounding the film. And I was, I was thinking, okay, it's going to be another film, you know, of the same, hitting on the same sort of points of commentary. And I really appreciated how, like, this movie is so much more open-ended on that front. And, and it, it, again, like, why I, I appreciate it in the same way as, like, you know, some of the old classics that play off of a zeitgeist, as opposed to just a film that's a direct commentary. And it, clearly he does both amazingly and yeah i i really liked that the, the film this film was it's a little bit easier to to reflect on I mean, the, he was i, I wonder how over.
2: audiences will receive the open-endedness kind of of the ending because uh you look at get out and all you have to do is look at the original ending where it's much more of a downer ending yes right you know and think about how jordan peele decided to have more of a triumphant upper happy ending right where this movie is the opposite in a lot of ways it definitely feels like a bit more open-ended you know i think that's the best word for it yeah. in a lot
1: of ways well here's what's really cool about that i think it's a great point to bring up um we mentioned this uh in relation to ministry of fear an episode or two back talking about how the film kind of needed to end on a happy note just not that happy of a note. Like but right. we thought like it, it was necessary for the film to end on a positive beat because it was during World War II. And it's a World War II film and you can't let the Nazis win right. and the ba- and or the good guys lose during the Blitz. Get Out operates in a similar way. Like it's you know, we're we're looking at like the the height of like so many like of so much tension in the black community. Like you can't have that film end on such a dour note. Like you have to have like it be a little more upbeat and there'd be that little um that little twist at the end where the cops that show up is just the friend in a cop car. In the
0: TSA yeah, vehicle, yeah. Yeah,
1: instead of it being the police, which in the original ending for Get Out, it's the police, and he gets arrested because of course he would. Right, exactly. And it's, I love both endings of the movie for that, and but you can see why they changed it, because at the time, it was just like, the film is already about that that's on everyone's minds, you...
0: He didn't want it to be so terribly bleak at the end. Exactly, you have even to though, line. Even though that bleakness is the is honestly the reality it's the realistic thing that would happen. It's, yeah, I, I really
2: enjoy the bleak ending. I do, too, I do too.
0: I do too. But I, I think that I, as a whole, I prefer the the more optimistic ending. I think, yeah, yeah when it was if, coming out, it's and, slightly,
1: you know, like I think it, it was almost needed. But in this film, because it's the themes aren't as direct, he could get away with his bleak ending. He could get away with his ambiguity and. I thought that was that was awesome like he he, he got that ending we we got that I, that Jordan like that true Jordan Peele Maybe
0: we should we maybe we should jump ahead a bit and talk about the ending because I I think yeah with well, this, this is this kind of narrative we Yeah we can we can, can hop we, can, all over we the place. can jump around I honestly yeah. did not find the ending particularly bleak um, I I guess we'll give a, a quick rundown. Adelaide follows Red down back into the the House of Mirrors and discovers a tunnel down into like this secret underground facility, um, where it appears that all the tethered were living. And we see through flashback that they are essentially human clones without the soul. They are destined to uh, sort of half-heartedly mimic the actions of their counterparts above ground and uh, that red was the the sort of messiah figure who organized them into breaking out and trying to claim the 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 above world for themselves. Uh, and, you know, they fight. We can get back into that later, because I think that scene is really great. Adelaide kills Red. They get in the car, and they're all driving to escape or whatever. And we get a flashback showing that when she was a little girl, the doppelganger choked her out, essentially, dragged her into the underground facility, chained her to her bed, and switched places with her. So... Turns out Adelaide was the doppelganger all along, and that Red was the real Adelaide, and so that's why she led the revolution because she grew up knowing the real world. So she wanted to, you know, get them all out there. So,
1: so it wasn't a matter of Adelaide being traumatized after she, as a child, left the. the it, was, place. It, it was. It was a, a different. It was the person. other girl yeah. who was mute like who who had never spoken. And so she like she had to learn to speak for the first time. The, and I love that because like you can believe that Adelaide would have forgotten that they had switched out because they were mirror they were mirrors of each other and they were right. tethered. So like you could see like this other spirit sort of relearning. And it's neat too cuz it kind of implies that they do have souls.
0: And it makes well she she says that they, they, share, that they a share a soul. That's why only one of them can ultimately exist is because it's a single soul shared between the two of them. And that also makes sense why Red is the only one of the tethered who speaks the entire movie mm-hmm. because she already knew how to speak because she was the real girl. All of the other... Uh, tethered just grunt and shriek because they they've they've never been taught to speak well
2: what i love about it too is when that reveal happens in the movie it in a lot of ways happens to adelaide at the same time she's in the car and she is thinking about this and kind of discovers it in her own mind right and you get this amazing sequence where uh her son is staring at her looking kind of disturbed and you don't know if it's just because of all of the events that had happened previously in the day and a half or if it's because he has that realization
0: i think he has i think he has the realization because he is you know hiding in the in the locker when mm-hmm. he sees her kill the doppelganger and he sees her behave similarly to to the way he's seen the doppelganger the but behaves. but i think and he so doesn't an over and he's
1: he's looking at her wondering like is is this the doppelganger or is this my mother and it's cool because we're wondering the same thing and the the inevitable reveal. Well, is- I, I think
2: the nice thing is Jordan Peele doesn't overplay his hand there. Yes. Um, because there isn't any explanation. Um, it is still very open. You know, he could have easily just been looking at her that way because fucked up shit happened throughout the rest of the uh, sequence of events, which I really appreciate. But they do such a good job. Bringing it back to Adelaide, those non sequiturs early on pay off in a great way. You know, like you were saying, the PTSD and her not talking was actually her not knowing how to talk. Yeah. On the beach, she mentions, I don't like small talk. I don't like, you know, talking to when uh, she's hanging out with Elizabeth yeah. Moss. Moss. And what I noticed, uh, which I thought was amazing, is uh, there's a sequence where her daughter's doppelganger is killed on the car, right? Mm -hmm. Like, she jumps on the car and is thrown off into the bushes. And uh, Adelaide gets out of the car. And everyone in the theater, obviously, is yelling, don't get out of the car. What are you doing? And uh, she goes up to... Doppelganger and just stares at her as she slowly dies and cries a little bit. It was yeah, confusing to like me the... at first, but then I realized oh, well, that's that's in a lot of ways, that's her actual daughter. Yeah,
1: she would have been drawn out of the car, like you know, that, like... if
2: Adelaide is the shadow. You know, this family is her actual family in a lot of ways.
0: Well, I I don't know about that because she she is the shadow, but she has been living in the real Adelaide's place this whole time. So her family is her family. Like her children are her actual children that she gave birth to. But, but she the, is she is from that place originally. She is, you know, the she movie is tied does a great job it. talking about coincidences
2: that happen nearby yeah. and, uh, unexplainables. And like, even before it happened, she mentions feeling like there's a black cloud over her. Right. So what I, what I saw it as is almost mother's instincts in a lot of ways, Sure. you know, kind of unconscious feelings of that way. And you get a similar thing when the Sun ganger dies, the Sunstoppelganger ganger is, you know, slowly mimicking The the sun's behavior, so the sun backs up, and the doppelganger backs up into the fire, fire, and Adelaide is crying and saying no this whole time, uh, because I think unconsciously, in a lot of ways... She She does have that connection. Yeah, Yeah.
1: it's cool because like she has that connection for a couple of points. Like you make it clear you don't think this, but it's like yeah, they're not like her her true children. But because she is a one of the shadow like tethered was originally one of them. Like I think that there's an there's that additional like binding aspect and she does like see them as one of their own almost subconsciously yeah and also they do literally look just like her children so she's even more drawn to them from those points so yeah yeah. i mean
0: and i I think that that is one of those things that is ambiguous in a in a good way because Mm -hmm. when you're watching it before you know she's the doppelganger you just think that she is behaving this way because they are literal doppelgangers of her children so she is essentially watching her children die so that's why she's emotional but when when it's revealed that she is actually one of the the shadows then it recontextualizes it recontextualizes it, really it because there there is more to it is because even though she doesn't realize it at the time her subconscious knows that she is of the place that right. these people are because you, know? you do
1: see that like the shadow figures are do have this like almost, like, psychic or, like, ESP, like, sort of link with each other. Yeah, they do. Like, when the mother in the house was, like, lifting her hand and, like, doing, like, all the silent commands. And they're so, so coordinated that clearly, like, they can kind of use their tethering with each other, I think. Or not clearly, but I think that that's, that's a cool implication. And so the mom, when she gets out of the car, already knows, maybe. There has, like, some sort of subconscious realization that she's not, like, in that much danger when she goes to, like, find the girl, like, dead. Out of context, on a first viewing of that scene, when she gets out of the car, it's like, oh my god, why are you having your main character just, like, clearly walk into danger? Like, that doesn't seem like a good writing choice. Like, what's going on here? And to have that that really nice moment where she she, she goes through the trees and she sees the, the dead, or the dying girl. And I, oh, too, and, like, from a personal level, too, like, it's so well done because, like, she's, like, trying to reach out for the girl and, like, give her some comfort, like, as she's dying with her back broken over this tree and... The girl like this is just constantly like like swiping out at her like even as she's dying and like resisting like this this comfort like oh it's awesome. yeah to it's me so it, it
2: feels like another instance of one of those non-sequitur feeling scenes turning into a really contextual scene yeah you know, a lot that of epiphany, ways yeah and I think peel does a really great job uh using the reveal twist type of thing at the end to recontextualize so much in this movie well
0: it it recontextualizes the villains themselves because even though they are the the tethered are very creepy and unsettling and weird like when you when you discover where they've come from, it makes sense, and like their rage and their desire to you know, live normal lives on the world above, I think is extremely justified. Like, why do these people who are look exactly like us, why do they get to live real fulfilling lives while we're stuck underground psychically mimicking like what they're doing you know but just in uh, an approximation it's like there's no real like good guy or bad guy here you know like and that's that's why i I like the the line where she says we are Americans because it's like, fuck, yeah, we live under like we live underground. We're, you know, we're forgotten and, you know, we live horrible existences, but like we're Americans, too. You know, like we're Mm -hmm. here as well. We have just as much right to all of the things that you do. And there's an excellent look at like what we're seeing in in America in real life, where like some people have it really fucking good and a lot of people have it really fucking bad, and it's like, we're just as entitled to things like healthcare and education and, like, a living wage and happiness. Like, we're just as entitled to all of those things as you are, so we're gonna fucking take them from you. Well, yeah, and there's
2: one scene in the basement classroom where Red mentions, you know, you take your, your world for granted, right? you know, your environment, the sky, all of that. And in a lot of ways, I definitely see that that metaphor at play there. And even you know, we take our luxuries for granted. We take Absolutely. the the luxuries of our modern technology without thinking about the sweatshops that they're yeah. created in, you know the, the brutality that a lot of the things we take for granted are made through, which i I, I thought was great. Even on a plot level, the We Are Americans line works really well for me because that opening scene where she's watching the Hands Across America commercial, we slowly push into the TV. There's a couple of vhs tapes on the side like one of them was chud which i thought was great because that movie is all about cannibalistic humanoid
1: underground dwellers
0: yeah which
2: is uh
0: chud very
2: fitting
1: going into that that opening sequence with her watching the hands across america ad something that like it like struck me like it's fucking excellent was uh the the audio during the ad like the speaker says like makes this sort of like children's joke like you know like the whole like what has six stripes and, you know, like blue lips, you know, like sort of thing. But in this case, it's like she's talking about the hands across America. So uh, before it's revealed what the ad is, she says, what has thousands of eyes and teeth and hands? And it's like, Oh my God! Some sort of Lovecraftian beast does. That's right. terrifying. It's like and no, it's, like, it's
0: all of these people linking hands across America. It's hands across to America. to fight. What? What, is, what did Hands Across America fight? Uh, hunger in in America, I think. Poverty, starvation, something like that. Yeah, relevant things. Yeah, relevant things. I obviously Hands Across America was in the eighties. I had uh, a Hands was Across America shirt before when our I was a time child, too. That really hit me. Well, <laughs> that's that's one of the that's one of the funny things is, and one of the things that is so good in this movie is that when she. When went missing or when she disappeared like the real Adelaide was wearing a hands across America shirt and she we see her watching that commercial yeah well so when it turns out that she's the you know she ends up chained with the with the tethered Down underground, we see that they've created, like, sort of an altar around this Hands Across America shirt, and we see that on the surface, after they've killed their doppelgangers, the Tethered are doing Hands Across America. They're just standing and linking hands, and the last shot of the film we see is of them going through the mountains, this whole human chain of people and because Adelaide was the real Adelaide was the mastermind behind their rebellion and she disappeared in 86 when hands across america was the thing so like that's that fixation of like all of these people joined together in unity in one big chain from sea to shining sea is like has been her obsession for all of these years the, living in the amongst the tethers the
2: one thing i think is brilliant about how they reveal that she's watching the the commercial is you don't see her face at all as it slowly moves in to the TV, and then right when the commercial ends, you get her reflection. Right, because while the TV in is the dark, TV. yeah. In a lot of ways, it feels like her shadow.
0: Yeah. I mean there's there's all kinds of fucking excellent uh use of like mirror images and stuff yes, Yeah 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 as, uh, uh one of the big things
2: is the use of Jeremiah 1111 11, 11, yeah we the movie. see we
0: see a uh uh, a bum on the boardwalk with that written on a sign. And 1111, 11, you know, with the colon in the middle is is, is a mirrored image. Um, and yeah, go ahead and read Jeremiah 1111. Okay, 11 so Jeremiah
2: 1111, 11, just to bring a little context is, Therefore, thus says the Lord, Behold, I am bringing disaster upon them that they cannot escape. Though they cry to me, I will not listen to them some metal ass old
0: testament. Yeah. And and what I not
1: being listened to like what, so cool.
0: Well yeah, that's the great thing is that it has even that has multiple meanings in the context of the film because if you look at it from the perspective of the tethered, they are imprisoned underground and they're crying out to God and he's not answering them. And so they they take it upon themselves to do something about it. And then in the overworld, all of a sudden, all of these doppelgangers are coming up and, like, slaughtering people. And those people is a time of great disaster, and they're crying out to the Lord, and they're not being answered. So it has has different... connotations depending on which side you're on plus like the mirror image of the 1111 it's it's fucking awesome like it's so it's so fucking clever honestly like jordan peel is such a good writer. Yeah. <laughs> like there, such a good writer. There are
2: several uses of eleven eleven. At one point she puts her son to bed at eleven eleven. Right. Um there's a
0: and that's right before the family shows up for there, the first there's time. There's a
2: sports game on one of the TVs at one point where the score is eleven eleven. The use of symmetry in this movie is really great. Even yeah. in the cinematography, um, they have a lot of shots where it's very symmetrical on both sides. Almost Wes Anderson esque, but not obviously not trying to be quote. But with intention.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> with, narrative, with narrative relevance. narrative would have um, thought that'd
1: be impactful. <laughs>
0: I, I, also, is my disdain for Wes Anderson
1: showing? I do love Wes Anderson. But like, uh, another thing I like about it too is like, whenever, you know, what, what is it that everybody always says? It's, oh, it's 11 11, make a wish. And it's cool because like, make a wish is also a charity foundation, you know, which.
0: Yeah, is neat. and also, like, in that context, you know, the Tethered are making a wish to live above ground, mm-hmm. have real lives, you know? I do love that, like, that it ends with that shot of, like, the Hands Across America chain going through the mountains. There's also, like, police and news helicopters flying over, so it's like, this is obviously a nationwide thing. We don't know the, the scale, like, what the rest of the world looks like. Um, I I do appreciate that ambiguity because also it doesn't really fucking matter. Yeah, it's one of Um, those
2: things where it works super well as a metaphor. Right. But if you sweat the details too much, you're going to have a bit of a bad time. What I'm
0: super glad about, one of the things I think we should talk about is that the existence of The Tethered was a, uh, a government experiment that failed. It was an experiment to control the people yeah. above ground using their doppelgangers below ground yeah. and i'm super glad that that was just mentioned and then completely glossed over yeah i started to get really worried and for it's a great second too, because like
1: they don't just like gloss it over like not only for mechanical reasons because it's not something you want to get into the depths of that's not why we're here also it works like from a functional perspective because like it was clearly like a A nineteen sixties like era like CIA experiment MK Ultra sort of situation an attempt to control
0: the population yeah exactly
1: so like they they used some sort of technology which we never get any of the remnants of see any of and I'm really like to hard science fiction and love like those sorts of explanations but here it was definitely not what I love too
2: about it is early on in the movie they do a great misdirection with the daughter. Um, when they're in the car and she mentions, uh, the government putting fluoride in your water to control control us, to control us. And, uh, it's a great misdirection because everyone brushes it aside Mm -hmm. and, it's not thought of much after. Yeah. That.
0: I'm yeah. so glad they didn't go into detail on that. Cause mm-hmm. I think there's a lot that you can happily speculate on. Oh, and I'm yeah. just, I'm super glad that we didn't get a fucking montage of like government scientists, like creating clones no, we don't need and that. how they control the, the doppelgangers. Like, I'm so fucking glad we didn't get that. It's the same kind of thing, like in get out where there's this plot device of these people putting their brain, Brains into other bodies. There's like this sci-fi concept but it's just a plot device to move the narrative forward and we they don't feel the need to get really heavily into the sci-fi mechanics of it. Yeah. And it's, it's in the same way, and I, I really appreciate that. Right, because like the core of existentialism is why, not how. Right. and uh... I, I definitely I started to roll my eyes in the theater when it's like, it was a government experiment that failed. I was like, oh no, please don't do this. And then they just brush past it and yeah. was like oh and it's yes, cool because
1: it. like with, with with the lore building too like it, it must have happened like you know like several gener- generations back in like in the 60s and and so like and you, it's can, been... you get a really like pretty clear image of what happened it's like they they tried this thing to make these puppets to control people it didn't work because it just kind of splits the souls so they just abandoned them and left them and just kind of like put them under the rug and they started to multiply instead of like, die off.
0: Well, right, like... and because they're linked to the people above, they meet the same partners, they have the same children, yeah. so there's, like, as new people are born, on the above world, a doppelganger is born naturally underground, and what I love is that it's self-sustaining because they, we see in a flashback underground that what they eat is just, they just eat the rabbits. They just have all of these rabbits that they're literally just tearing off Apart live and eating raw. Whenever anybody above ground is, their doppelgangers above ground are eating, and it's self-sustaining because rabbits breed like rabbits. Yeah, you know and- like that. So, so their food source has been like multiplying all of these years, and they keep multiplying, and it's completely self-sustaining. And uh, the way they show the mirror in the underground is
2: so great, where uh, they have the flashback of the past and everyone's doing the same motions as above ground.
0: Yeah, but and just, like, get, in the hallway. And you
2: get, uh, like, people on roller coaster rides or the the spinning rides, and they're just doing it in a room uh, without any context. Yeah. Which I, I thought recontextualized worked so great. well.
0: It was great. It was funny, but, like, in, kind in like, a really unsettling way. Yes, and that is the biggest point that I wanted to bring
1: uh, to this, and that's the horror... Um to use a word I overuse, mechanism. Yeah, this this is my favorite aspect of this film, is the the horror aesthetic is pulled almost entirely from Butoh. Like, clearly Jordan Peele was very aware of, like, that style of dance. And it's all over this film. Like, any sort of element of horror is is pulling from, like, the the Butoh, like, uh, camp. Um, so if you're unfamiliar with Butoh, it's a style of dance that was born out of Japan after the atomic bomb feel free to to go to the wikipedia article read more about it or get into it i highly recommend it if you enjoyed like the 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 style of of horror in us like you'll 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 get something out of like seeing this style of dance it's reflective of like the that internal existentialism and anxiety it's been a while since i got a good while since i've gotten into it but the the gist of it is it's a way to to express these horrible feelings these these pent up emotions that you like the the we have societally and very often budo buto like it's 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 the bottom of the uncanny valley it's these figures like just trying to walk down stairs or these like or they they imitate social gatherings um that's one of my favorite ones and one of the ones that i think like the film reminded me of the most is there's a budo like dance where it's a bunch of people and they're all like like imitating a social gathering but they all have these like expressions of like total fear and anxiety and they're sort of like croaking and and making these like strange like body horror sort of ask gestures uh very often in budo like the the dancer is like not wearing very much it's usually just like a loincloth and they're covered in like a white powder and they they just move like really disjointed and and horribly and uh yeah it's it's usually like a means of social commentary and it's it's cool because like jordan peel uses these horror figures in a similar way like as a means of social commentary and you see them doing the same thing like imitating like day-to-day activities in these horror scenarios
0: but it's cool because imitation is all they know they yeah. like their their entire existence is is imitating copies of themselves in the real world in but they're doing it in this very plain sterile beige environment almost
2: unconscious unconsciously you know.
0: yeah well it, it's extremely unconsciously they don't speak to each other they don't know how to speak their existence is relegated entirely to imitation so when we see them you know in the real world uh, killing people and like what they're doing it's all like a really Bad imitation of how people are supposed to behave and supposed to move, but they don't understand it really, which I think is is great, and it makes for really fucking... Creepy stuff, like especially in that in the home invasion part at the beginning, when we see how Red gives commands to her family with just like these these like weird finger and hand gestures and these like clicking noises and shit like that, and they know exactly what that stuff means. Uh, it's very unsettling, um, in the best way. Yeah, well, I I
2: love. The way they do that, it reminds me of like the allegory of the cave or something like that, where they only get representations of reality rather than the actual thing. And that kind of affects the context of how they approach stuff like that, which I I thought was really well done. You even get a scene where the doppelganger of the the husband who had just bought a uh, little little boat. and uh, it the engine keeps going out. Oh, what was so the name ha- of the boat? To- it was Craw-, funny.
0: Craw Daddy. The Craw Daddy. Yeah.
2: So he has to just hit the the engine to get it restarted. Yeah, because it leaves And to the, left. Uh, the doppelganger of him understands the the motions, but you don't really get the same context. So he's right. just like slapping the yeah. engine as yeah. hard as he can, <laughs> um, which I thought was great.
1: It's really fun how each of the doppelgangers like have their own sort of sound that they make like you know some kind of click some of them sort of do that and some of them like uh the the dad one for instance makes that lord like noise like occasionally yeah. and i was saying at the car ride back that i uh I can't wait to hear like all like the Death Grips remixes with the dad's voice. I, yeah, like, <laughs> it's gonna be. Really yeah,
0: I, I wasn't even thinking about that, but you're absolutely right. It's inevitable. It's yeah. bound to happen. Yeah. Um, Going back to the dance stuff for just a second, sure. Um,
2: this movie, so you know, about. directly uses dance yes. in some interesting yeah. ways.
0: Um, Adelaide was a dancer. Well, she was, yeah, her parents put her into dance as a means to overcome her quote unquote PTSD when she wasn't talking. And we get that scene in Underground where Red is, you know, telling all this stuff to Adelaide and she says, I never would have learned to dance if not for you, that is true that if she the real adelaide hadn't been trapped underground then the, the fake adelaide would not have been traumatized quote unquote would not have been put into dance and then the real adelaide having to mimic her underground would also not have danced and what i love about that so much is after that when they fight you get an awesome payoff yeah. because it's very choreographed well because yeah well, a lot of ways beautiful it's, ex- yeah, it's extremely beautiful. Well, the thing is, is like our Adelaide has not danced in such a long time and she's just enraged and she's just going after Red with the fire poker and just like trying to use brute force. And Red is just like dancing around her. So it's, it's only yeah. when Adelaide kind of like, steps into that and makes it a dance between the two of them that she finally, like, deals the, the it, death blow. It
1: makes so much sense, too, because, like, you see, like, her move incredibly fast, like, especially compared to the other doppelgangers, and it, it it separates her in this really cool and terrifying way, like, seeing, like, the other ones kind of, like, brooding around, like, in, like, like kind of, like, ogre-like motions where she's just, like, fucking pristine and perfect, and she just, like, everything she does is, like, so, like, her posture is ace, and, like, her, like, those, like, 90-degree head turns. Really cool. Um, And to get that, like, that justification for it later on and to see that was all, like, tightly written world-building was neat. But also, that same to kind of elaborate on your point a little bit, like, seeing how, yeah, like, she... All of the other Tethered were, like, sort of forced, you know, to to mirror these movements like puppets on strings, but because Adelaide has this connection to dance, she's able to sort of take that as choreography and spend this like like years and years just taking these these impulses and using them as an opportunity to just hone her skills as this like this perfect like yeah. dancer. And I fucking love that. I just love it to bits. It's so cool. It's such a cool like character and character trait.
0: And that whole fight sequence is set to uh this like really dark string version of i got five on it we should talk um, a little
2: bit more about the use of music in this yeah movie, sure how perfect it, it is it uses uh, a collection of i guess you could say pop songbook songs yeah uh, in well amazing ways i've got five on it is really the centerpiece of it they use it early in the movie kind of offhandedly uh when they play it in the car and they kind of sing along to it yeah and uh snap on the offbeat, on the onbeats, which is weird. They don't, like, snap on the offbeats like you should. But <laughs> but that song comes up over and over again in motifs yeah. in, in the score, which is really awesome, culminating in that scene where you get that super awesome string version. But you also yeah, get dope. music used in some of the funniest ways. Uh, yeah, For definitely. example, in the yuppie house with tim heidecker and elizabeth moss elizabeth moss notices the generator kicks in and something's up and tim heidecker just doesn't want to do anything yeah. and he uh plays a good vibration yeah yeah,
0: yeah. Um, well what i what i liked too a slight offshoot is that they have a an uh off-brand alexa called Ophelia, Ophelia. <laughs> and
2: uh later on in the scene Where uh, they're getting attacked by their doppelgangers. Elizabeth Moss tries to use Ophelia to call the police, and it plays, (laughs) it it blasts the police, police, which (laughs) is honestly one of the funniest sequences in the movie. Well,
0: right, because after that, the main character, the family, the Wilsons, come in. And, like, we get that scene where, like, it's just the kids, uh, like, going through the house because the dad's out back fighting the the evil Tim Heidecker, and, uh, Lupita, uh, has been taken by, uh the Elizabeth Moss doppelganger. And so it's just like the kids who come in and they're just like looking around the house and there's just like blood everywhere and they know that there's like the twin girl doppelganger somewhere. And the whole time it's just blasting fuck the police. It's awesome. It's so funny. This well, m-
2: it does a good job recontextualizing some of the lines in, the, in Fuck the Police too because the song is all about, you know, killing cops and stuff. Right. And... Uh, some of the lines about bloody messes
0: get a little more sinister when they're used in this context which i thought was awesome this this movie was a lot more like openly humorous than i was expecting um get out had a lot of that as well but i think this movie is probably i would say it's a bit funnier than get out i think get out overall is probably a lighter
2: film I would kind of agree actually. Like I think this this mo- uh, movie has
0: moments of black comedy. I think I think whether it's overall darker or not, I think this movie has more instances of pure laugh out loud yeah, comedic moments that, that, that than I'll Get agree Out. With. Does. Like
1: Get Out like has a lot of like especially when you don't have the context of the horror like for such a large portion of the film in Get Out those moments of uncertainty are kind of comedic whereas in this film the moments of uncertainty are straight up terrifying us does i think rely more on like i think it beat, is more beat op- jokes yeah. like it like yeah. it, they're just meant to land and usually are just like said by like someone in the family well, yeah. or like the dad or whatever. you know so just get out like you're kind of like laughing nervously you know during those i sequences. think get
2: out a lot more is based on the tsa agent in a lot of ways well the uh, the, 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 the straight up character. comedic it's moments, relegated yeah. to that a lot where this one, it's much more situational. A lot of
0: times, yeah, yeah. And there's a there's a lot of really funny moments in this. There's a lot of like straight up jokes, you know. Yeah. Um, which which I think is good. And Jordan Peele f- strikes a, a really fucking great balance between things being funny and also horrifying. I think a great example is like the Tim Heidecker doppelganger, because I mean, obviously, you know, it's Tim Heidecker. He's hamming it up, and it's it's legitimately funny but it goes from being funny to terrifying like in a split second just because of like the absurdity of of it is is funny but also like it, it gets is, to a
2: point where it almost hits uncanny valley it's, yeah it's know?
0: a it's a clear and present danger well yeah uncanny valley is great because these the the, the tethered look like people and they kind of behave like people, but not really, you know. It's it, it I think it hits that same level of unnerving that the uncanny valley does, is that it's almost mm-hmm. it's almost a, a perfect copy but the the ways in which it's the little ways in which it's different are noticeable enough to be deeply unsettling yeah i give a lot of credit to that to the acting in this movie yeah dude i that's another thing i wanted to to mention is that holy shit what a great example of fucking just like stellar acting because all of the characters have to play two parts they have to be normal people and they have to be shadow people and being able to balance both of those is fucking awesome in particular lupita does such a great job with with
2: even minor tics and expressions for both of her characters yeah reveal so much without saying a single thing
0: well that's the thing is that like adelaide has a lot of moments where she exhibits the ticks of the tethered especially when <gasps> she's killing red at the end which is why i think that oh, she clicks her, her teeth yeah. yeah which is why i Ugh. think that her son who sees all of that that's why when they look at each other at the end and she does that kind of like fake wide-eyed grin that i think he he realizes that she is that she is one of the doppelgangers because he sees he sees her behave that way and even though she's existed in the real world for you know over half her life at that point those ticks and and things are still a part of her you know and she's she's covered them up but they're still there subconsciously one minor thing i want to talk about
2: red uh with is uh i want to get your guys' opinion a little bit and this question is less about how because the the script is great, but how much? Okay. Um, I think almost all of the dialogue Red has, or at least the overwhelming majority of the dialogue she has, is
0: expository. Exposition. Yeah. Do you think it's too much? You know, I was thinking about that, especially in the classroom scene towards the end. It feels very much like a... Like villain's monologue, but yeah. at the same time she frames it as sort of a fairy tale. Like the first time she speaks in the home invasion scene, when there she gives
2: was a shadow.
0: Well, she she starts with once upon a time. Oh yeah, that's right. so she she frames it as like a bedtime story, as a fairy tale, and then there's a long chunk between, and then at the end in the the classroom, she kind of finishes it. And I did kind of think it might have been too much, but at the same time, I don't know what it would have been like yeah. without it because I it's, think it well, reveals things that we don't get otherwise that I think are kind of necessary. Yeah. Well, again, it's
2: less about the how because Jordan Peele is a great writer. Yeah. And more how much I think there maybe a little it, bit it too borders much. on over explanation a little bit with their character, but. The writing itself is
1: very good. So. There was only one thing. Oh, well, so first off, uh, yeah, during during the the first monologue at the at the opener. Um, also, first off, I love that when it comes to the home invasion arc, like uh, of the plot, like they they cut they really do a good job of cutting to the chase. Like they have the whole family sitting down in front of them with them mirrored across, much like the scene in uh, Strangers, the final scene in Strangers. Yeah, um, uh, and they just cut to that moment, like. What are we, like, Like at that point, like, maybe 30 minutes into the film? Um, yeah, and, and, you know, you get to that same question with the family on the couch being like, what are you doing? Why are you here? And in, stra- in The Strangers, it's, you know, like, because you were home. Ooh. Yeah. And then here it's it's a much longer, like, uh, monologue. and uh, But during that monologue, I was a little unsure. I was like, where is this going? We're America. I'm not sure how I feel about this, like, because we didn't have the context at that I time. Think, I, think I the- was really spooked out. Like, it was it's very creepy, but also it's like, I'm a little concerned, I don't know where this is going, it might be too heavy-handed, and it wasn't, and I was very happy with that, but, my one concern, I will say, and it's, honestly, it's the one like, kind of iffy thing I have about this film, and it's not even, it's a very, very, very minor thing, but during her closing monologue, her only real explanation for the Hands Across America thing, and like, the movement and like, coordinating this, this mass, almost like, rebellion, is to make a statement, I needed to make a statement, and like, that's that's really the only explanation we get for, like, the specificity of, like, how they rise up. I I wanted maybe, like, something a little more personal or a little bit more reason. Like, like she clearly has those things, but I don't know that was kind of weird just to be like, oh, we're doing this very specific, very weird thing just to make a statement. Oh, well, I'm
0: glad that I, they didn't I, give more honestly. No, I think like... it was fine because we see one of the last things she experienced before she was taken underground you know, was the Hands Across America thing. She saw the ad for it. She had the shirt. She was a child. It was something that was very big that was happening at that time. You know, it was a big deal. So to be fixated on that and to, like, have the reminder of, like, the Hands Across America shirt that she's wearing, Mm -hmm. then growing up thinking that, you know, oh, the people above were unified in that way, but, you know, they you know, down here we are not, you know, we're just imitations. And then to, as they rise to the surface, to have that, that poignant moment, even though in fucking 2018, 2019, nobody's thinking about hands across america, but like down there, sure. That's that's like the only relic from the from the, you know, the surface, the surface world mm-hmm. that they have down there is the hands across america t-shirt. So it's we see it, it has become a shrine for them, you know. They've they've turned it into a shrine. So it it makes sense that that is you know when they when they rise and claim the surface that that is uh, a, I can a, that, that that is a symbol that they that they have had they've been fixated on for so many years that they they turn it into a reality and they
2: realize red is different because well, she has I, experience living above
0: a touch uh, exactly that's why she's their like messiah figure a touch that i really like is uh you know when they go to the beach at the beginning um in present day as they're pulling up, we see the 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 bum with the Jeremiah eleven eleven sign. He's being like wheeled into an ambulance, and he's like all bloody and covered in stab wounds. Um, and then when the 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 kid wanders off, you know he sees this strange man with like blood dripping from his hand, standing with his arms out on the beach and we see him later in the chain in the same mm-hmm. spot. So he just happened to come to the surface before everybody else, and he took his place in the chain and just stood there waiting until all the rest came up and joined him. I thought that was a really nice touch. Yeah, I thought that was Excellent.
1: really clever. Another cool thing about the Hands Across America like symbol is when we were first leaving the theater, I had I had a concern, and I wasn't sure about, were all the, the replicants, all the doppelgangers, were they... Um, like, were they wearing the same clothes? And I thought it was kind of strange. because was like, up until then, you can think it's like, oh, it's some sort of like biological experiment. But like, if they're all wearing the same clothes, it had to have been like some sort of like, like the technology would have to be very different for like whatever world building thing that we don't learn about is. And then Ben noted uh, something that I had missed that I thought was really cool. Yeah,
2: well, early on uh, at the beginning of the movie, the original Adelaide, uh, her dad wins her a thriller shirt. Mm-hmm. um it's very
0: in a carnival games yeah. camp
2: in the underground uh red is wearing a a shirt that has kind of the it's an approximation a- approximation yeah. of it it's very abstract but has the same kind of design and they they give it to her um because you know above ground the same thing was happening this is one of those details where i think if you think about it too
0: much it, it'll you'll break it you'll yeah, break it for sure but... for sure
1: i think well there could still be some like Hard science reason for it, or or soft science like well, sci-fi y like oh, it's a it's a dimension laser or some shit. I, just, like, they're, I,
0: they're I, I don't
2: think it
1: needs it. No, no, it, it definitely doesn't. I'm just saying that like it it could be explained. It's
0: every everything everything in the underground world is an approximation, but not an exact. Yeah, the, that's why that's why the experiment is a mm. failure to control the people because the best they can do is create an approximation. Yeah. I think it's one of those things
1: I did things really like where... that. Like, like the, the shirts are, like, they're they're similar, but there's still something wrong with them, like, even down to their clothes. And, yeah. I, and, I, and I ended up, like, really liking that idea. But what's cool about that is because they're sort of, like, they're mirrored patterns on the shirts. The Hands Across America, like, symbol would still be, like... It's the same, it's the same. Yeah. And of course, it is the same shirt. So it's the one shirt that isn't mirrored, which is also neat. You know, has. And uh, it. it's one of those things
2: where sometimes the simplest answer is the best answer. Yeah. The clothes are similar because it's a mirror world, and it's kind of that analogy of allegory of the cave. You know, approximations of reality. You're getting the uh, the shadow puppets. Right. You're of... seeing
0: the shadow from outside, but you're not seeing the real thing. Yeah. One thing I
2: wanted to. Touch on a second. You made the comparison to the strangers in the home invasion scene, which I think is super apt. Yeah, um, I saw a lot of comparisons to that, especially in the horror elements of it. Mm-hmm. You know, you have the kid with the the mask, which is very evocative of the strangers when they sit down and explain. It's very funny games too. Uh, yeah, in the explanation because it's so direct in them explaining exactly why they're doing right. it. Yeah, to have like um, a
1: sit down with like the monster you know like the invaders is is such a cool moment you know cuz it, yeah. it it has this like this artificial sense of like a of a a very like peaceful moment like sitting down and like having a dialogue and having a compromise well and um, sitting down
0: sitting down with yourself too yeah but like but like a horrifying approximation of yourself exactly you know it's very much that that idea of the doppelganger being everything that you don't want to admit about yourself the 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 faults that you don't want to uh that you don't want to recognize in yourself you know they they manifest in your shadow. Um, so, yeah, I think that's that's the perfect way to do that, is to have the, the Doppelganger family invade the house, but then, like, immediately to sit down and be confronted by them plainly. It's great that that happens so early on rather than at the end, where you'd think that, very much like in The Strangers, like, they go through all of this, like, all of the horror stuff, and then at the end they sit, you know they're confronted with the 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 villains in in a sit down situation to have it be like one of the first like things that happens once the family shows up awesome loved yeah. it loved it i i did see in the uh
2: the imdb trivia that jordan peel had a collection of like 10 movies that he showed the entire cast to try to get them into Ooh, the nice feel that. some of them were like the shining which i think is very apt in kind of the atmosphere of the
1: horror of this movie. Oh yeah, like just the opening credits were very Kubrick reminiscent, I think. Yeah,
2: and the idea of that sense of dread over just plain jump scares, though there are a few in this movie, I yeah, think they're well nice. done.
0: And the perversion um, of and the perversion of like beautiful scenes and like those horrifying things happen in them. That's a very Kubrick thing to do, and something that Jordan Peele has said in interviews that is a big inspiration for his style of horror. He takes that from Kubrick, um, so that that makes sense. What yeah, are some? What are some um, of the others?
2: Another one was uh Martyrs um which I see the connection. Yeah, I can see uh, that with. too. Funny Games was also one of them. Obviously. Uh, understandably.
1: Yeah, any of the the jump scares uh, in this film like I'm normally not very partial to jump scares but they were all pretty clever like I think they were know, whenever... I think they
0: were motivated for the most part. Yeah, yeah they
1: never yeah, they never felt superfluous. Yeah. yeah. They always felt like contextual. Um
2: but the other ones on the list were the Baba Duke Nice. okay um it follows yeah it makes a lot of sense i get that uh tale of two sisters which i haven't seen Mm-mm. uh the birds
0: yeah interesting
1: yeah you I know there's a shot with the that seagulls that, yeah. that i uh, on the beach that i was like oh very birds very birds like yeah his his like his building of tension like leading up to the apocalyptic event i i did i did really feel like it's there was some similarities between yeah, yeah like like the birds, like Hitchcock's The Birds, yeah. Well, the rising tension was yeah. Great.
2: Even yeah, even on a more abstract scale of the sense of tension throughout this movie and the uh the imposing threat, yeah, uh, yeah. just surrounding everywhere they
1: look also there's a the sequence in the birds with the uh the gas tank and the cigarette with the fire you know when everyone yeah, else is held up inside true. and they're like screaming at the guy and we have that like that moment with like the family and the car and the kid with the gas and i can definitely see the birds i can definitely see yeah, that. that's but, neat. uh that's neat. the
2: three others were dead again came out in 91 oh, i haven't seen, that seen one it. let the right one in yeah um that and makes sense. the sixth sense interesting spooky kids maybe use of twist
0: yeah, potentially. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah, there are uh, most of those make sense. There are a couple I haven't seen, and there are a couple that I'm not super sure about. Mostly the Sixth Sense, but uh, interesting. That's cool. I I always love when directors will begin their production with like making their cast and crew like watch certain films or read certain books. It's like this is. You know we're trying to capture a certain ethos here like we're all gonna be on the same page if if we if we building all know a the,
2: like a collective yeah language. if we all know
0: the material that we're working from i I like that a lot I think it I think it makes for really good filmmaking is to exactly like you said building a collective language uh, among your cast and crew shit I think we've pretty we've we've pretty well unpacked this movie do y'all just want to go ahead and rate it yeah I'm, yeah. I'm done yeah um, Ben why don't you start and we'll work okay. Down.
2: Um, so Jordan Peele does an amazing job with Us, um, a movie that is dark, is very funny, is a lot to think about, the use of metaphor in it, um, I, the double meaning of Us and U.S., and the title even uh, says a lot about what's within the movie. Um, the movie is so cleverly written, they tie everything in, even, you know, the minor Things that seem like non-sequiturs at first get a payoff by the end. The acting is amazing. Some of the minor details of the acting just work so well to emphasize everything. I was blown away, honestly, by this movie. I honestly think I prefer it a little bit to get out, um, which, you know, I only time will tell. I'll see how I feel on rewatches, but I'm feeling very good about this movie and I'm going to give it a five out of five. All right. Yeah,
1: all I have to say is uh, just ditto everything I've already said. Like, it's it's a masterpiece. Um, I, I loved it to bits and uh, I think that Get Out is pretty well a perfect film uh, as well. Yeah, how many uh, pods am I going to give this movie? I've got five on it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um... Yeah, man, I I thought this movie was incredible as well. I think that there's so much more than just the surface level. Um I, I, I walked I walked out of it, you know, not knowing how I felt about certain things. It was nice to have a night to sleep on it, um, and to just sort of unpack things on my own. I can't say whether I liked it more or less than Get Out at this point, because I think Get Out is a pretty perfect film, and my appreciation for Get Out has only grown on subsequent viewings. I feel like it's probably going to be the same with this one, having only seen it one time, I can't definitively rank it yet out of his two films that he's done so far but like holy fuck Jordan Peele is more so than ever you know somebody to keep an eye on like I think he's a fucking master I'm more excited for his Candyman remake than ever I think he's gonna fucking rock it Uh, I didn't expect him to let me down with this movie and he sure did not it's gonna be a 5 for me as well dog Um, that's a a unanimous 5 out of 5 for us across the board Golden Pod. And it joins the it joins the hallowed halls of the golden pod. That's two two of those back to back. The witch last week and now us. Two new golden pods back to back. We fucking eaten. Yeah, so Perfect. I'm hoping that if you're, if you've listened to this whole episode, that you have also seen the film. If for some reason you haven't, sorry, we fucking spoiled it for you. We warned you, uh, you're see it. well you worth a watch. But if like, you're one of those people it, that don't it. care
2: about spoilers, I, I think absolutely some of the ideas it. we talked about will help unpack some of that. Give some context. You know, absolutely. Well, so.
0: Yeah. So if you haven't seen it, uh, and you didn't heed our warning at the beginning, Still, fucking go see it. It's, it's worth it. It's see it in the theaters. It. See, yeah, see it in the theaters um, if you have the chance. You'll
2: get a reactive audience, but sometimes, especially in movies like this, I think it makes it if you, a if unique you've got, thing and something that's worth seeking out. If you've
1: got, a, a, good, of, like, if you got a good audience, like, yeah. yeah, for like for you know the the as much of like the. The guy behind us was a a dipshit. Like we did, it was mostly just him. Everybody else, everybody else, like yeah, like you get these great like universal gasps and such. Like yeah, yeah, seeing like a, a truly like scary film like in a in a theater can can be really fun. Like like getting the the crowd reactions and just like everyone like a whole like massive people watching this movie all scared is great yeah no like, other
0: other like other than other than the dipshits behind us who kept talking and the one guy who fucking uh kept going see ya uh making other,
1: jokes to hide his insecurities right and fear. other
0: yeah. other than that like yeah the our, our crowd was pretty good so it was overall a pretty decent theater experience um it's definitely a good film to see on the big screen yeah so yeah go definitely go see it I'm sure it's going to be in theaters for a minute. Um, yes. I'm certainly. sure it's it, going to be in theaters for a minute. I think it had one of the wider horror releases. We're, time. Yeah, we're recording this the day after its release. And also, may I say that having a non-franchise horror film be an event, excellent. Awesome so good it's what it's what our the culture of horror films needs it need we need to fucking have events for new horror films that are not uh fucking reboots of old franchises as much as i loved the halloween reboot we need to start having events for good horror films that are truly and wholly fresh and original good for fucking jordan i Peele. think
2: it comes down to us just needing more uh, mainstream, well-written horror movies. Sure, 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 sure. <laughs> like, I,
0: but I think there are plenty of great ones out there. You know, in recent years that we've talked about, with like the Babadook and It Follows. And sure, the Witch. but mainstream. But those, right? Those yeah. are all small indie horror films that get limited releases. And th- for us, uh, like Us, was a huge is a huge release. No
2: one's going into the Curse of La Llorona for
0: writing quality. Right, exactly. You know, um, and we we obviously can't. Uh, get into the we can't talk about the opening weekend box office yet because when we're recording this it is still opening weekend, but on Thursday night when it was released, it did grow seven and a half million on, on that good. one night, and it's looking like it's predicted to do 40 to 50 million opening weekend. So, Which is quite good. Which is great. We did uh, predict the Rotten Tomatoes score. Yeah, we, we talked about preliminary ratings last episode. Last time it was sitting at 100% on Rotten Tomatoes.
2: Yeah, you predicted 90 Yep. um Cleveland you predicted 85 and I predicted 86. I think currently we're sitting at 95. Um, so yeah
0: it's gone down a little bit as is to be expected um you know you, not you always got your contrarian. sure but uh yeah we'll we'll do a final update on that on the next episode mm-hmm. um, um just for
2: you know early opportunity here TC predicted 75 million opening weekend okay uh cleveland you predicted 30 and i predicted 63 so
0: all right we'll we'll see see how it
2: it it, it turns out i could see it going very high um i hope it does how much of an event it was um so
0: well yeah i i hope no i hope it does fucking gangbusters but uh yeah i i want to briefly take us into the metacritic corner
1: What time is it? Metacritic corner. What time is it?
0: Metacritic, Metacritic corner. corner. Um yeah, so I've got I've got oh boy, man. <laughs> uh, I've got two for us this week. <sighs> Holy shit. I checked Metacritic last night after we got out of the movie and these were not there yet, so these are fresh hot new reviews Ooh, man, um, that hot. that have come in uh, between no, the time demon. Between the time we saw the movie last night and when we we're recording this morning, holy shit, boys! Holy so I can shit! Hear me. Lay it down, okay. This first one is from Metacritic user Red Truther. Oh boy! Oh, you know the name. Y'all, like that. y'all already know. Oh dear. So here we are again in the same scenario. Jordan Peele spits out a mediocre trope filled film chock full of biased race baiting agendas, and the leftist critics of Hollywood eat it up like a buttery mega tub of popcorn. We have reached such a low in terms of what's hailed in critical acclaim these days when it has to fit this same old formula of supposed politically correct themes of the left. Objectivity and logic are thrown out the window in an effort to overcompensate based on these particular agendas. The carbon copy diluted critics give their rave reviews of cliche genre formulaic bore fests like Get Out and Us in fear of ridicule if they go against the grain with a truthful review. Oh, That's where we are now. Oh, God. Don't listen to the critics or all the hype created by social trending media. This film is a blend of the strangers and body snatchers and has nothing original in it, and it is the epitome of mediocrity. Zero out of ten. Yeah, that's a big yikes for me, though. Big yikes, big old yikes. Yeah, that uh, that's gonna be a uh, no. <laughs> it's an like, all caps yikes. Holy shit, though! Holy shit, though! Formulaic is a very hot take. Literally, literally, <laughs> the, take. literally the literally <laughs> the only. Hot to touch, honestly. Literally, the only thing I agree with that this person said is that the film is a blend of The Strangers and Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Yep, that's it. Great blend. <laughs> like but it's a good blend. A very blend. loose blend. And also lots time. of other things. And also like, did you guys get the feeling that this film was pushing an agenda? No, it no. did the opposite. Like, like I found this film le- much less political than than Get Out, and yeah. I didn't even and Get Out wasn't even pushing an agenda. It's just making a statement. And for and to say that like critics are scared to ridicule or, or to to tell the truth about movies like this because they'll be ridiculed for not going along with politically correct leftist movies. Was us did that seem politically correct to you guys? Did get out seem politically correct to you guys? They're films by a, a, a black Filmmaker there, there was a thing with, with black, children, like, yeah, like killing like,
1: other dop- doppelganger children while fuck the police was playing. Like fuck him.
0: Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. Like, Ever? No, this.
1: Like, I like, like. How is that politically correct? Like, this. Whatever. This person.
0: This person is a hundred percent a maga chud who gets uh his blood pressure worked up when he sees black people in in leading roles yeah and thinks that it's that it's like affirmative action and and race and and race and race baiting what what was what what, the main characters were the the main actors were black is that what was race baiting about this movie
2: like yeah libtard yeah (laughs) <laughs> oh my
0: god. Like what the
2: like, fuck what yeah. Oh my god. Uh well and the funniest part was he he emphasizes that this is a rip off of the Strangers, but the Strangers itself is a remake of another movie before it. Which, <laughs> right. So it's technically a rip off of a, of a rip off. Yeah, like, well
0: I guarantee he does not know about the existence of them uh there's no way he's he's ever heard of that movie so the strangers is probably a wholly original concept to him uh so i'm gonna give that review a zero out of five um, Big old yikes! Um, bad, yeah. bad times bad times all around this next one is not quite as aggressive but i do think that it's still pretty wrong um this is from metacritic user lambo442 The director sacrifices entertainment value to make some big statement about American society, which you could just as easily learn from reading a history book about American society – By the end of the film, everything just gets so pretentious and ridiculous, you're shaking your head in disbelief. Then, seeing as you're so dumbfounded as to what just happened, you have to go online to read about it, and then end up shaking (laughs) your head even more. And don't tell me for a second anyone giving this film a great review understood what was going on symbolically while they watched it. I, I don't know, guys. I... I got it. Yeah, yeah I, I got it. Um, underneath this political garbage, there's actually a quite there's actually quite an intense horror, which is such a shame. Because if Peel just concentrated on making an entertaining, believable, and coherent film instead of ramming his political agenda down our throats, we'd walk away more entertained. Another thing that let it down Good. was the script. Why are this family making jokes <laughs> while they're being stalked? Why are this family making jokes while they're whilst they're being stalked and treating it all so lightheartedly? It just makes the mood so jarring. Everything was great with this film until you start having things explained and then it just gets farcical, absolute nonsense. 2 out of 10. The thing I That baffles me
2: about this one is you can easily ignore the metaphor in this movie and all of that stuff. And still really enjoys exactly. the horror itself. Like, exactly. It's still, yeah. at its core, a really well-made horror movie. It's a, yeah,
0: it's just a it's, fucking horror film. That's scary. Look like at a hokey horror premise, you know? Why like, does, crazy government, you know? This, like, is, this is yet experiment. another... It's so baffling to me because this is yet another person who thinks that there's, like, there's a political agenda behind this film. Like, I think you can definitely look at Certain things and themes in the film from a political standpoint yeah, as, as, commentary. As, as commentary, but this film is not like trying to shove an agenda down your throat. Like, I this no, is, it
1: does, and it doesn't so much like so much less than
0: get out, like as we've talked about. Well, like, right. Like, and I and I think that this this person, while not as like outwardly inflammatory as a uh, red truther from the last review, I feel like that this person has the same mindset where they see a predominantly African-American cast and they think, oh, that's a political agenda just because white people aren't the lead? Is that it? Is that what makes this film so political to
2: people? It's that worldview where everything has to be political. Right. And you see it, I hate to pull this card, but you see it on both sides sometimes, you know, like you see it in comedy even where like every every comedian has to make a great point. Or, like, every film or every piece of art is political. And it's right. like, sure, if you want to look into that stuff, you can find it, but don't just bring that every time. Right. It's exhausting. Exactly.
0: You know? Like, just enjoy stuff sometimes, you know? like Yeah. You no, know, this film
1: totally lets yeah. you do that. Yeah. Like,
0: I'm afraid that just because of that, Get Out was thematically very much about, like, the black experience in America that these people are always going to exist where, where they go in, they go into every Jordan Peele film thinking that there is a, a leftist racially biased political agenda in everything that he does. And that all of his work is trying to, to shove that down our throats. And like Jordan Peele even said, in the, the NPR interview that I read, like I talked about earlier, he said, us is not about race. And it's not. You can look at it from a racial perspective, but it's not about race, and there's not a fucking yeah. agenda that's being shoved down our throat.
1: Right, you can it's, use it's the about, film as a sounding board for racial discussion. It's about like, the... Like, you can, yeah. You can absolutely like, do that, but the film can also be used as a sounding board for plenty of other
0: things. It's about the idea of us versus them, but the us and the them are never clearly defined he even says that. It's like the us can be any idea of us. The idea of us is just that there is a them on the other side, you know? So you can, like, you can look at that in any, literally any way you want. It's not like there's one right side and one wrong side, you know? It Oh, my God. These people are fucking, they have brain worms. Oh, okay. That's the end of Metacritic Corner. <laughs> I'm done with it. I'm done. <laughs> Yeah, that, that'll bring us to the end of this episode. It's a long one, but uh, I think we had a, a lot of good shit to talk about. Uh, ben, what what is on the schedule for next week?
2: Next week, we are covering one of my favorite uh, horror movies of the 2000s, uh,
0: Bug, by Bug. William
2: Friedkin.
0: This was your pick, right? Yes. I have not seen Bug.
2: It is very unique, and I am very excited to talk about it, because I think... There's a lot to unpack.
0: All right, well, uh, cool. I I know nothing about that movie, so I don't know what to expect. It's gonna be it's gonna be totally fresh from me. Uh, what about you, Cleve? You too, Bug? Yeah, ain't I know? I don't know nothing about Uh, uh, I, I know zero cool so uh yeah we're we're gonna be getting some fresh perspectives on that next week um yeah if you like the show do the thing leave us a rating and review on apple podcasts hit those five stars leave us a nice little blurb or something tell us what you like about the show share the show with your friends if you went to go see us with one of your friends listen to this episode with one of your friends uh I don't know Spread the word. We talk about movies here. And speaking of spreading things,
1: our sponsor would like you to know that you should s- spread their their content all over the place and buy it. Our sponsor this week is Doctor Doppel's Ganger Be Gone, and it's it's a spray. <laughs> that will get rid of all those doppelgangers, but but don't use it until after you've seen us because you don't want that to be gone. But but then afterwards, like, oh, they're a problem, and you got to get rid of those doppelgangers. <laughs> so make that doppelganger a doppelgoner with, doctor, <laughs> with Dr. Doctor
0: Doppel Dr. Doppel's ga- ganger be gone. <laughs> Thank you. I I forgot the, the copy that uh, Dr. Doppel sent to us, Cleveland, so I'm glad you remembered to do that so we can get our money. Oh, yeah, I had to hop on that doppel. So, leave the rating and review and stuff like that. Follow us on Twitter. Um, we're still in the midst of our uh, March Madness horror bracket. I imagine by the time this episode comes out, there there will be different results. Yes, it's uh, probably
2: final eight or uh, final four. Yeah,
0: um, so... If you haven't been doing that and you want to vote, uh, follow us on Twitter at Pod People Pod. We have uh, polls up there pitting great f- horror films against each other. Only one will come out on top. Um, and uh, yeah, Only
1: one will be victorious.
0: Y'all have done some fucking... Even at the time that we're recording this, y'all have done some wild fucking things so far. Yep. The... Goddamn, Shaun of the Dead just beat out the thing, what? And, and I like Shaun of the Dead, They're but both like really good movies. But the thing, man, yeah, the- seriously. <laughs> so y'all, y'all be wiling, yeah, <laughs> keep 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 voting. Keep, yeah, no, up. bring it on, bring it on. Yeah. I, I'm keep, very keep surprising us. Keep I'm us, very keep curious to see what the what the winner is going to be. So uh, we'll we'll see pretty soon. Um, follow us on Letterboxd as well for uh, a list of all the films we've talked about on the show. Uh, our average ratings, links to the episodes that correspond with those films. Um, yeah, you know, follow me on Twitter at Mr. Van Awesome for stuff. And I'm at Mr. Sheets uh, to get more of my very spicy takes.
1: And I'm uh, Cleveland Mosier or Iron Prism on Art Station. Yeah, Cleveland Mosier on Art Station. We'll, we'll get you there. Uh, and I also uh, regularly tweeting for Light Arc Studio, the company account that uh, we're working on. It stares back! Uh, and what's uh, ooh, ooh, We're doing more alpha testing right now. It's looking cool
0: Yeah, great. like right it's after this, great. we're getting to do our next round of that. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, the, the demo, or the rather the prologue is coming soon, so stay tuned. Um, if you like horror and you like vidgie games and you like horror vidgie games... We, gotcha. um, we got you. We got the horror in the vidgie games. Uh, all right, well... Thanks for listening. Um, we appreciate you and love you as always. Uh, until next time, I we all got five on it, so we better go get us a fucking a fucking bag.